Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking Tropes. Uh, I'm David. And I'm Hannah. And we're talking about uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier just came out, uh, just finished. and uh, finished. We're recording within, you know, 24 hours of that finale <laughs> where we finally got to see the new Captain America suit, which I think is why yes. everyone watched the, the show, not for, like, the story or the characters or... I think that's not necessarily true but okay <laughs> no it's totally false but I, I just think it's uh, it's an interesting aspect of the the Marvel cinematic universe uh, as it you know tries to make these TV shows is that the the Disney plus series are highly focused on bridging gaps in continuity to future projects. I guess in the same way that sort of Phase 2 was as well, if you remember, yeah. you know, Thor 2 and Captain America, or, uh, uh, you know, Captain America 2 and Iron Man 2, like, these were just sort of trying to get us into the Infinity Stones arc. Uh, right. Now we're, we're sort of trying to bridge the gap in getting rid of all these legacy heroes who have died or their contracts have expired. And, um, Get them out of here. And bringing in their sequels. And so we thought uh, a good trope to talk about uh, from TVTropes.com would be uh, Sidekick Graduations Stick, which is... Yeah. Would you like to explain what is meant by Sidekick Graduations Stick? I mean, I'm still confused about the stick part a little bit. I think it's supposed to it's supposed to be referring to it's like a you know there's sort of a MacGuffin that gets passed on it's like passing mm. the torch passing this or the baton this baton this stick that just yeah. signifies that the sidekick is carrying on the legacy of whoever their superhero partner in in crime fighting was right right um, yeah so you know it it's basically that. <laughs> It's, yeah. uh, you know, now instead of Steve Rogers, we've got Sam Wilson. Um, right. Who I'm currently blocking in the visual podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, in the comics, there have been, you know, half a dozen other uh, Captain Americas. But uh, we're, we're not right. we're not comics experts or anything. We just sort of yeah. read Wikipedia pages on <laughs> random tangential to the series and the uh, and the films uh, right. so that we can have some kind of context for what we're watching. Yeah. So I think we should jump right in and talk about, you know, the the fact that this is the black Captain America now. That's what the show is about, right, David? Right. So there was a conscious decision in the production process to make the Falcon and the Winter Soldier center on the topic of race, um, race and American history, you know, race and legacy. current politics, race and legacy. Um, and I think, you know, it's, oh God, I don't know how to talk about that. It's, it's a hard thing to talk about, especially for two white people. Like, right. we are definitely... Jumping a little bit outside of our lane, so all critiques welcome. Um, but, like, I, I feel like this show is a little bit like the Hamilton, you know? The where Hamilton. It, or, or not the Hamilton, <laughs> but just Hamilton, you know, where 
instead of trying to reimagine the system radically, it's going, okay, but what if the founding fathers were black? <laughs> you know, like what if right. Captain America was Well, black? it's definitely saying something. It's not it's not simply a, you know, a, a paint job on on sure, the MCU. Sure. It's saying something about the the history of military experiments on uh, on black, black prisoners people. and black soldiers, the, the the delegitimation of their achievements, the obscuring of their you know their heroic acts. I think they uh, they mention the the red tails. Is that right? He names his uh, his um, little bird no, his, gadget. His his, his drone is named Red Wing, but oh, Red Isaiah Wing. Thomas, I think at some point mentions. I believe it was the Red Tails. Yeah, I, I you know, the Tus- the Tuskegee Airmen, you know, were sometimes right. called the Red Tails. I think he I think he calls them by name and that it's sort of a a thematic connection they're drawing between them and the Falcon who is also a flight-based red uh superhero. Um Right, and also just the Tuskegee experiments. <laughs> right. Also, yeah. I think yeah, there's definitely you know, some sort of loose historical connections. I think it's sort of drawing on, you know, how Watchmen was very successful with, you know, connecting their weird superhero narrative to uh, American history of, 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 you know, racial bigotry and violence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in this narrative, we're looking at it through the eyes of a soldier a, a former soldier and a former military person. But the Falcon is is going to be Captain America. So we're also talking about like symbols and we're we're sort of abstracting it away from uh the actual historical crimes against right. black people and instead focusing more on ideas of representation. So in that way, it's very different from Watchmen. Yeah, it's it's definitely like it walks this fluctuating line almost, you know, like it like it nods its head towards these acknowledgments of like black pain and black trauma throughout American history. um, And the fact that like many people who probably should be considered heroes or be considered notable are not currently recognized because they were black and because their achievements at the time were um, sort of swept under the rug. But it also then pivots and is like, but we're fixing that now by having a black guy as Captain America, you know, and like changing. Well, the, the, the line from the, like the original black Captain America, you know, this Isaiah character is like, there will never be a black Captain America and no self-respecting black man would ever want to be Captain America. So he's framed Mm -hmm. as being wrong in that way. He's wrong on two counts that. Sam Wilson is self-respecting, uh, but he also wants America to do better. He says that what makes me a hero, the only thing that makes me a hero, is that I believe we can do better. Um, mm-hmm. And is that meant to be some kind of thematic connection with Steve? Was that something that he stood for? Mm-hmm. I think I think that's part of what is missing from the show is... 
if this is a show about legacy, what is Steve Rogers' legacy really? What did he stand for? What was what were his values? I you know I think in that uh, scene between Sam and Bucky when they're training with the Shield together, um, you know, and Sam he's a guy says, who knew like, how to throw a, throw a frisbee. Right, exactly. It's like it kind of doesn't actually matter what like Steve thought. He's gone. Like he's kind of irrelevant now. Right, but at that point, it's like okay, well then, what's what's the significance of becoming Captain America? So then, it's again, it's reduced from carrying on the legacy of a person to becoming a symbol of something. In this mm-hmm. case, what that symbol is is racial progress. It's it's progressivism, mm-hmm. liberal progressivism. Uh, of a type right i mean oh absolutely big spoilers i know we've spoiled a lot already but the big (laughs) spoilers is that the way that the conflict of this movie is resolved is sam wilson stops some sort of anarchist terrorists from kidnapping some uh some government Government. non-government uh agent people uh (laughs) and he he then goes up to these heads of the GRC, you know... And, like, shame talks them. Right. He, he he convinces them in, like, two sentences to completely change their their goals in terms of uh, relocating refugees uh, around the world. And so he, they've decided to not do that because he asked them very nicely... So there's clearly this, you know, and going back to your statement about Hamilton, uh, this kind of the the glorification of the nag or the um, (laughs) of of the 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 speaker, the person who can convince you to do things with their sweeping rhetoric, the orator. Yeah, the great orator. Um, yeah, and and the fact that Isaiah says, well, you're no Mandela, you're no Dr. Malcolm, King, you're, you're no, no Malcolm, but yeah. it's like, I don't, that is kind of the method that he uses to create change is in some ways just telling people what to do and then they do it <laughs> with right. no, which like, no mass protest like nice- movement, no, you know, <laughs> civil disobedience, no threats of violence, no anything, just simply, look, there was a terrorist. Someday there might be another terrorist unless you do what I say. Right. Which is to be better. <laughs> and they can't say exactly how their new system is better and how it addresses the issues and how it wouldn't create a new terrorist uh, sect because that would mean that the MCU would have to take a, a political stance on something other than representation. Right. Which they're just not willing to do. I mean, their their political their political organization of their whole world is around these non-government organizations, these NGOs, where there aren't really any actual governments. There are simply shield and, you know, Leviathan Hydra. or Hydra and whatever. Like, these non-government affiliated amorphous... GRC blobs that kind of operate on a global scale and dictate policy. It's the globalists. I I, I didn't say globalists, but they are. (laughs) I mean, they're close to like, I don't know, stuff like the WHO is, I guess, somewhat comparable, you know, that they set policies and and stuff on a, on a not uh, 
on an international on a, scale on an international basis but not like enforceable like they don't have like a right. military to enforce those regulations but it or seems like the you know it's kind of like the un because there are the un yeah. quote-unquote well, peacekeeping forces which are also just guys with guns yeah um, i don't the un i don't think counts as an ngo because they're not privately owned. i guess but they're i guess they're a, they're more of a, a you know a diplomatic God, we're so out of our depth on this. But it's like, this is the kind of stuff that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is like trying to impress upon the viewer. Is like, don't think too much about the way that the world actually works. Real change is decided by these few, these powerful people who carry on the legacies of your favorite superheroes. Right. Um, So, you know, in terms of like the passing of the stick, in this case, the stick uh, is Is the the shield. shield. And it's yeah. a big round stick that they carry around in like a little satchel, like a little. It's such a cute little bag. I love I it. I think it. I think they probably didn't like make it. I think they probably bought like a gong case, like a case that you would carry or something. Or at least in the universe, like what, Steve must have bought this as a gong carrying case and yeah. then thrown out the gong. <laughs> That's my theory, anyway. It's for carrying your symbols. Right, his symbols or whatever. Um, literally I get his, it, his symbols? His, <laughs> it's symbolic. Um, <laughs> but, so that's what's being passed on. And to, and it's so important that he, he gives it up at the beginning of the series because he's not ready to take it on. And yeah. then he gets it back by stealing it from John Walker, this sort of fake Captain America... Mm-hmm. Who I think we need to talk about more extensively because it's not clear exactly why he doesn't he's not able to carry on that legacy, you know, because he didn't yeah. know Steve personally or because he wasn't Steve's pick or like, what is it about him that makes him like a bad guy? Yeah. What do you think? Oh, right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah uh, it's. It's tricky. Like, I think, you know, there isn't anything inherently that makes him incapable of carrying on Captain America's legacy. Um, I think it's it's just we as the audience dislike it because it's not Sam or Bucky. And so we're like, hey, who's this guy? That's that's right. rude. We don't know him. Well, it's. Um, I think we're sort of supposed to be opposed to the government doing it, not because the right. government is bad, but because they are not real in the MCU and that we prefer it if the NGOs appoint <laughs> appoint our new heroes. Or they appoint themselves. <laughs> or they appoint themselves. But John Walker appoints himself, you know? Like, he does exactly that. He no, dresses the, up in a, in a costume and pretends to be Captain America with his own the, fake circle. No, the government... Oh, I guess he does do that later. He right, when they take happened. it away from him in the sort of, like... You know, right. um, but he's he's troubled. He's doing it for the wrong reasons, David. You know, he what what he what reasons are that? Revenge is is bad. Yeah, yeah. And, revenge is bad, David. Okay, all right. Interesting. Very new that's, new take. Very fresh. I mean, take. I think I think that's a lot of what this series is about. Um, I mean, that's whole like Bucky's whole thing is that, you know, he needs to stop taking revenge on the people who he helped during his time as the winter soldier, but instead like honestly own up to his own mistakes. And that's the only way he's going to find peace. Right. He needs to make Um, amends. You know, like, like the show tries, 
to talk about trauma and like, you know, it, I, I think there's an almost interesting way that they've done that with John Walker where, you know, when he's being decommissioned as Captain America after murdering a dude very publicly and everyone getting cell phone footage of it, um, he, uh, you know, he's like, I did everything you asked of me. I'm what you made me, um, sure. which is kind of true. Like, this is what the <laughs> government does to soldiers. This is why war is bad, et cetera, et cetera. You know, war, like, war is bad. Hot um, take, I know, um, <laughs> but like uh, here's here's the, the the other thing we we have three you know possible Captain Americas. Mm-hmm. They all have more or less equal claim to it, in my opinion, because w- there's no logic to who becomes Captain America. It's just a guy sure. wearing a flag. You know, sure. you could have three Captain Americas if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, but like Sam is the is the chosen one because he was chosen by Steve. That's what makes him Captain America. Yeah. Bucky has all the same powers as Cap, the same origin story as Cap, and he was best friends with Cap since the beginning and his former sidekick. His his first sidekick. But he kick. did a lot of murders. But he did a lot of murders. Uh so well I think that's actually a plus column for him also because that means that he has a, a slightly different narrative than Steve, but he's still okay. he's still following that same general trend. It's like he has a built-in conflict that makes him an interesting character to tell a story about. Um, I guess. Whereas Sam's built-in conflict is his sister's shrimping business, which is very important also, but maybe not quite as interesting as being a mind-controlled assassin for the KGB. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, I think just as much this new Captain America, the John Walker character, he has just as much claim to it also, because who appointed Steve Captain America? It was the U.S. government. Right. (laughs) And who gave him the super soldier serum... Well, he signed up for the super soldier program to become right. a super soldier, and so did John. And right. he then got a super serum and became one. And wh- right. what is wrong with that? Oh, well, he's a bad guy because he killed a <laughs> person. Like, that's another weird thing that the show, again, tries to talk about, but I don't know if it really comes down on a side and I don't know if it does that on purpose or not about, um, you know, this idea of the super soldier serum and supremacy. Um, yeah, it definitely does not re- resolve or interrogate it past the idea that there are some people in the MCU who would believe that all power corrupts that, mm-hmm. you know, power can't be innocent. Like, fucking Lex Luthor said in that Batman v Superman movie or you know he's like he's like a lot of characters in superhero movies who are just like I don't like superheroes because they're stronger too than powerful. me they're too powerful yeah. they're a threat um, I, I don't know is that interrogated in any way realistically he blows up a car full of super soldiers at the end and they all die but he doesn't blow up John Walker's car or I Bucky's know. car. Yeah. 
So there are good superheroes and bad superheroes, maybe? Or I don't know. You know. Zemo is very strange in this. He's very strange. I mean, he's strange, yeah. period. Yes. He's a weird, weird character, MCU. Uh, odd, yeah. odd choices. Um, yeah. The decision to make him have a love triangle with our two leads, also a weird, a weird choice. Because he is... Make Zemo have a love triangle? <laughs> Is, doesn't he? I mean, that's that was the vibe I got. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are shipping posts as we speak. Right. Well, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely something going on there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I I think at the at the end he becomes Captain America because he puts on a new costume. There's a rebranding mm-hmm. that takes place. That rebranding comes from Wakanda specifically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like Africa, Mother Africa has decided who the new Captain America will be. Sort of, yeah. Wak- you know, Wakanda sort of being a stand-in for all of Africa in the MCU because they're, right. they don't want to go to actual Africa again. <laughs> right, or, you know, have to deal with any of the colonial bullshit that happened there or continues right. to also, happen there. Also that. <laughs> so in, in, in the end... Sam is appointed as Captain America because he dresses as Captain America and calls himself Captain America. Yeah, and then makes a really good speech in front of a lot of cameras, and so the government kind of has to just be like, oh yeah, he's totally Captain America now, it's fine. Okay. That other guy who murdered a dude, don't worry about him. He's going to work with evil Julia Louis-Dreyfus now. Right. But so then in the meta-narrative of what, you know... In, in the meta narrative of what the viewer is experiencing watching the show versus what the characters are experiencing when John Walker is appointed Captain America, right? Mm-hmm. It's still the same, like, authoritative, top down, like, the government is telling the people of the MCU who the new Captain America is. They don't have, like, a choice in it. It might not reflect what they want in a Captain America. Right. And then the MCU is doing the same, but it's also simultaneously saying that if you don't want Sam Wilson to be the next Captain America, you you're framed as the type of person who would have locked up Isaiah and experimented on him. You're the kind of person who wouldn't allow there to be a black Captain America because mm-hmm. of your own personal biases. So there's a there's a right. work of framing who can be Captain America is less important than who we say will be Captain America and how you react should be this way. We're telling you what your reaction should be, which is pride, you know, and excitement. Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) Have you heard anything about the reactions to Sam Wilson becoming the new Captain America? Has there been generally excitement or has I the mean, alt-right Twitter sort of reacted the way they always do? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I feel sure like I don't have to check. Alt-right, yeah, I'm sure alt-right Twitter is like, this is why DC's better because it's <laughs> manly men doing shit and we had a black guy and you didn't have to take over someone else's spot. And blah, blah, right. Blah. Well, I remember uh, that they reacted, they reacted to a, a black Captain America when it happened in the comics and there was a lot of kerfluffle over that. Um, right. 
Well, and there was also kerfuffle when Steve handed Sam the shield at the end of uh, Endgame, you know? Right. But does this does this reinforce that for them in in a way, or or does it does it challenge them? Does it say we don't need your money? Does it say we need your money? Please change your mind. What is it? What is it saying? The narrative. I mean, I don't think it's for them. I think it's for liberals. <laughs> you know. Okay. Well, there's. I think there's <laughs> definitely yeah. Because yeah, when he when at the end when he's talking to the 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 GRC guy. And the guy says, look, you know, I don't think you understand the sort of geopolitical complexities of this repatriation issue. Yeah. Um, and he says, I don't understand. I'm a black man and I carry the stars and stripes. You know, I'm a black military uh, right. person. And therefore, I do understand everything that could possibly go into this conflict. So it's a sort of, you know, it's a it's a narrative of telling liberals that what you're doing is okay. As long as you as long as you support the right types of people, as long as you support the right groups, they can make decisions that will ultimately technocratically solve all of the world's problems. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a good place to leave it? No. <laughs> um but I think I can jump off of that if you want. Please. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, that it it definitely is is catered towards that audience and trying to assuage those fears. Um, and I think that you know, you know, representation does matter. So I think you know having a black Captain America is not a bad thing. Um, but I think you know in the same way that. People, I think people should continue to be critical of what Sam's cap continues to represent and the actions that he takes. And if he is continuing to push this, you know, um, American sovereignty, like international problem solver, fix it guy. Right. If, like, if, if the things that he's representing about America, if, if I'm understanding you correctly, if the things he's yeah. representing about America are about America's internal progress, but mm-hmm. all of his actions are dealing with, uh, with global terrorist threats in other countries. Right. Then we're not really addressing what it means to be America. And Marvel is... That's it, exactly. Marvel, the cinematic universe, is too afraid to do what the comics would usually do when the their readership was a little bit more distrustful of the American government uh, and a little bit distrustful of the concept of American exceptionalism, which is that they would have Captain America take off the Stars and Stripes and put on a weird deep cut V and a mask and a little cape and call himself the nomad, uh, oh. which is normally what happens. And then someone who's maybe a little more patriotic, like a John Walker would step in and be like a bad captain America to represent yeah. how America is perceived, uh, as, as doing, right. doing right. bad things. But you can't, you can't have the nomad when your villains are the flag smashers, David. Right. The flag they smashers smash the flag. The flag smashers they want to smash the symbols of flag. They might as well be like the flag burners, you know, or, yeah. or whatever. They're not 
like really th their goal of creating anarchy is not is really that central it's it's no. their goal of destroying the symbols of America like flag <laughs> it it's it's really dumb the villains are poorly thought out and poorly executed and it's dumb um but it's fine Let's talk about some other sidekicks. <laughs> I feel like we've we've done our deep dive on uh, on Sam Wilson and right. Captain America. Let's right. let's talk about some other sidekick graduations um, and and series that that sort of tackle this. Right. Well, I mean, I think in 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 the MCU in Phase Four, they've been doing this constantly. So you know, Spider Man was framed largely as like the new Tony Stark. So legacy and passing the torch that happens in his uh, his far from home film. Uh, there, you know, Ant Ant Man is maybe passing the torch in Quantumania to the Wasp. Uh, to the Wasp, I don't I don't know. Um, uh, the the next uh, the the Hawkeye TV series is going to be about passing it. Uh, from Clint to Kate Bishop. Uh, Which and... I think is exciting for comics fans. Yeah, uh, definitely. And and Iron Heart is a, a series that's going to come out sometime in the future that's going to announce who the new Iron Man suit-wearing teen girl is going <laughs> to be. Um, uh-huh. So it's definitely a thematic... It's thematically central to this era of the MCU. Um, right. Uh, I think even Thor Love and Thunder, the, the what is it, the fourth Thor movie, is yeah. going to deal with, you know, leaving behind uh, Chris Hemsworth in some way and bringing in somebody new uh, to be the new... The new Thor. Right. And and I think, you know, even WandaVision, even though it's not necessarily like a sidekick graduation, it's sort of like side character party world, you know, right. where it's yeah. like all these minor characters from other series are coming together here to kind of have a larger role to play. Right. Even even Black Panther is going to end up being a sidekick graduation of his sister. Yeah to yeah. the role of the new Black Panther, you know, she, that's due to sort of circumstances out of their control. But I think, right. I think it becomes sort of endemic to large mega franchises like comics, like these new mega franchise films mm -hmm. that you run out of the ability to keep telling stories with the same character. But the only thing that matters to your audience is that character's, you know, secret identity vibe. Or, or vibe <laughs> or whatever. And so I think that... the vibe is more important than the secret identity. That's why they're able to pass it on to another person. You know, you want someone who has the same kind of cap vibe or the same Iron Man vibe. You know, it doesn't have to be them exactly, but they have to do similar things in a similar way with a similar level of colors. Or lack the colors of... need to be passed as well. Right, yeah. Who who wears the right outfit? But they get, but they get rebranded, branded. Um, you know, yeah. it's like My Little Pony generations. You know, you just yeah. like change it slightly, and it's like it's a new fun thing. Now you have a right. different toy to buy. I mean, certainly, like there's different stories you can tell now with Sam Wilson as Captain America. He's probably still sure. going to be fighting terrorists. 
<laughs> in other countries. In other countries, yeah. Uh, but he he's, you know, he, you can tell stories in a different way because he has a different family life, different relationships to other characters in the MCU. There weren't really that many other stories, I think, that you could tell in films with Steve. Yeah. In the comics, what typically happens is you'll get rid of Steve, bring in Sam, and then fans will kind of get sick of Sam, and then they'll bring back Steve through some kind of retcon or time travel right. or alternate universe. I mean, I mean, Bucky has been Captain America in the comics, I believe, right. as well. Yeah, but um, then when, when uh, Steve comes back from being Nomad and decides, I'm going to be Captain America again... The, the status quo is reset and, uh, right. you know, he goes back to being the Winter Soldier or the White Wolf or whatever. Right, because in the same way that sitcoms um, are, you know, like their god is the status quo. Like right. you show it's what up allows them to be long what lasting. to expect. Exactly. That's the same thing for comics. It's the same things for these comic adaptation movies, for these long franchise movies where, right. you know, you got to keep the core element of it somewhat static um yeah. which makes it hard to tell compelling stories if if you're doing that so they I, find I little think so workarounds yeah. like this i also think it's weird that we're not going to try and have you know uh war machine become the new iron man that was never a discussion you know i guess because mm. he's not a genius but that's a little condescending even yeah like what so know. he didn't invent the suit so what you know, does that matter? His suit's too bulky. Iron Man's gotta be sleek, David. <laughs> he can just he's put on Iron Man's suit. No, 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 David. He's too buff. He's too buff. It's it made work. out of nanobots, right? Like, yeah, no, it's too buff. It's, it's maybe, too buff. maybe what happened is, maybe we'll find out in Ironheart that, like, as soon as Tony died, the suit stopped like working. Like it, it, you oh know, there was God. a malfunction. And that, you know, nobody could figure out how to fix it until they bring in this new teenage super genius. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, Captain Marvel is also a legacy character. She, in the comics, yes. the original Captain Marvel was a man. Miss Marvel was his sidekick. And then that character, Carol Danvers, became the new Captain Marvel. In the movies, it's more just the original Captain Marvel was an alien Carol named Marvell and then <laughs> Carol Danvers sort of comes into the role organically. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think like the idea of legacy characters that we only know that the sidekick who graduated, I think that's an mm -hmm. interesting thing. That's very true of um, the flash, right? Yeah. Because the flash isn't the original flash is the original flash is um, an old guy with a weird hat. Uh, you know that guy, the Golden yeah. Age Flash. It's it's Wally West, right? It was the original Flash? No, 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 no. Who's the no, original? No, 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 no. The original Golden Age Flash was a guy named Jay Garrick. He wore a oh, silly God. tin hat with wings. That on it. guy, yes, yes. And you're then totally right. in the you know in the Silver Age and and whatnot, he was replaced with Barry Allen, who's Barry Allen, the yes. one who most people recognize. And then yes. he had a sidekick Wally named West. Kid Flash, who was Wally Wally West. And then yes. when the when Barry Allen died in the comics, he was replaced by Wally West as the the real Flash. And mm -hmm. that's 
that's a character, Wally West, who, you know, in the Justice League cartoon that a lot of us grew up with, that was the only Flash that we knew. The ginger guy. <laughs> um, I don't know, because the... Barry Allen is is the Flash in uh, Justice League Unlimited, right? Nope. No? It's Wally? It's Wally. No, there damn. is no Barry Allen in uh, Justice League Unlimited. Damn. But that's the thing, right? So you just recognize him as the Flash, and the fact that he has a different name is not that important because at the time, we didn't know the names of all of the right. know, characters. These were new characters to us. Right. And I think that that's the interesting thing, is that whereas... Certain superheroes, you know, Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent, you can't know the character without knowing the secret identity. Uh, the Flash is the Flash. He runs fast. That's what right. you know about him. And so you don't really care who's <laughs> under the mask outside of the characterization within whatever piece of media you're watching. Right, right. Um, and I think that's something that's a little bit true of these Marvel characters in general, a uh -huh. little, you know, because they were not as imprinted on the public consciousness the way that Batman and Superman and, you know, Wonder Woman were. Um, well, I think I think that's true of, like, Captain Marvel, who nobody knew, and so you're able but to I put her in there. But I think that's true of Captain, and Scott Captain Lang, America. You know, Scott Lang as Ant-Man, where he comes in, and then you right. have Hank Pym there. No one really cares that Hank Pym was there first in the comics. But when it comes right. to Iron Man and Captain America, their origin stories are what we see. So I think it's hard to transfer. We, we can recognize that, like, okay, this guy wasn't the first Iron Man or this guy wasn't mm -hmm. the first, uh, you know, Captain America. But it's harder to recognize, like, this wasn't the first Ant-Man because right. who cares? So right. you can just pick whichever one you like the most because he's... right handsome and paul rudd and he steals things <laughs> so we like him um yeah I, I i think that's an interesting thing with with film adaptations is you can pick which iteration you want to do um mm -hmm. and yet for you know for for a lot of them we we tend to default to whoever was the the white guy <laughs> yes yes um, um yeah but yeah other other examples uh, outside of the MCU, um, we talked about Justice League Unlimited, but uh, Young Justice is like the er example of this as a show. You know, like, yeah. Well, I, that's kind I of think the whole it's, point. I think it's still the only one other than Falcon and the Winter Soldier that centralizes the idea of legacy sidekick and not being a sidekick anymore uh, as the plot, as the main story where yeah. in young justice, you have a team of sidekicks started by speedy, the, the green arrows sidekick uh, mm -hmm. and Aqualad. Um, and who was the other one? Uh, Kid uh, Flash. Wally West. Yes. Robin? Do we say Robin? And Robin, yeah. yes. Because Robin is the original sidekick, the the right. the or sidekick, the or boy wonder. Um, right. And so he, like Bucky, was designed to be sort of the uh, the audience stand-in if the audience is little little boys who want to be mm -hmm. friends with Captain America. And <laughs> right. so Robin getting his own team where eventually he becomes the leader of that team. Uh, is, you know, definitely a graduation for him. 
Uh, right. Although it seems like in that show, there's an episode where they go through this really traumatic experience, and then the next episode is just their therapy session. Um, yeah. And so Robin is talking to Black Canary and saying, look, you know, I always thought I was going to be Batman, but I've been so traumatized that I no longer want to be Batman. <laughs> Do you remember this? No, but I 100% <laughs> believe you that it happened. That show went to some weird places sometimes. Right. So this is in like season one where he's still like a kid and mm-hmm. he says, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the Batman and it's left sort of hanging. And that's supposed to be our explanation of why when he graduates, he doesn't take on Batman. He becomes Nightwing instead. Yeah. His own, his own guy who in the comics yeah. wears like a disco outfit with a deep V. <laughs> uh, a disco outfit. <laughs> Incredible, incredible. Right. Um, but I think, doesn't, uh, yeah. uh, at some point in that show, I believe uh, Calderon, the, the Aqualad, becomes Aquaman at a certain point. I think Aquaman retires. Yeah. That, that one is interesting because it's a lot of sidekicks and then it's also a lot of, like, the children of superheroes, you know? Like, there's, like, the daughter of some magician guy or something. And yeah. it's been a minute since I've seen Z- the show. Z- Zataro um, and Zatara. Uh, yeah. They're, they're comics characters as well. Zatara was his sort of sidekick, and then she sort of became her own thing. She was in the Justice League Unlimited cartoon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so a, a lot of them are sidekicks, but they don't want to be called sidekicks. They're... Right. You know, that was their slogan which, going in. Which I think this always works really well for teens because that is the time in your life where it's like, you, okay, I've been a child. I am slowly maturing and becoming more self, uh, self-confident self and independent. And I don't want to be defined by my parents or my family anymore. I want to define myself um, and, you know, like, that's the age when that begins to happen. And I right. think, you know, that transition from adolescence to adulthood is very similar often to um It's, you're literally graduating from high school and becoming right. an adult. And you're also graduating from being a, a kid sidekick to being right. an adult superhero. Um, right. And the first episode of Young Justice is titled Graduation. Um, there's also, there's an episode in, in season one as well, which I think is really interesting because it's the only time I've seen anything like this, where the B plot of the episode is just the members of the Justice League talking to each other about who, who they should let join the Justice League, whether they're too young or too Mm -hmm. inexperienced or whatever. And so they're like, well, I think... Speedy, who is no longer Speedy and is now Red Arrow, I think he can be a Justice League member. Um, but Robin, you know, he's too young. You know, he's not ready. And right. uh, Aqualad, he's proven himself. He can be the new guy, and maybe he'll get a new name like Tempest or Ooh. whatever. That happened in the comics, but you know, <laughs> it's like it's. I think it's a big thing to. Not just have like, well, you become an adult and automatically you join the Justice League out of Young Justice. Right. You have to like prove yourself also as not being a yeah. sidekick. Right. It's like sky high up some, in here. 
some epic heroics. Right, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, so I think that is sort of the the nature of Marvel and DC's sidekick graduations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, another part of sidekick graduation, um though like, you know, this is maybe a little bit more spin-off is when sidekicks get their own show sure um, sort of become their own protagonists right. we have you know things like teen titans um you know in the harley Doctor quinn Who is universe. a villain sidekick or hench, right. henchwoman who gets her own show um mm-hmm. we get birds yeah. of prey we get you know her sort of shining roles in <laughs> in uh uh suicide squad and whatnot right. and these can be much um, more successful because they're not they're not trying to replace a legacy character. And so right. they don't carry with them that burden of whatever. That was something that I thought maybe they're not going to have the Falcon become Captain America and they're going to try and make the Falcon his own thing. His own thing. But yeah. of course, then you're not cashing in on the very lucrative Captain America IP and there's nothing ca- cashing in on it. So you have to, yeah. for, for the, for the, the way that these corporations are run, you have to have somebody filling in all the slots. Right. That's the problem. So that's why you have to... full bench. Right. That's why you have to be like, all right, this is going to be the new this, and that's going to be the new that, and we need to slot everybody into these different positions. Otherwise, Iron Man is just sitting on the shelf not making us any money. Right. So, you know... I think you, it's okay uh, to be capitalism. It's okay to be excited about the new Captain America. I'm not trying of to course. say you're not allowed to be excited. Uh, uh, of course. Representationally, it's exciting, but politically, I don't think it's going to go anywhere to no. challenging with it. Um, mm-hmm. Just sort of the the progress narrative of America that we're used to. Of mm-hmm. we we were racist. Now we have to acknowledge that racism, and then progress past it. Without right. uh, without any real Doing reparation, other than maybe making a museum and putting, you know, putting in the museum that we experimented on soldiers. That to me was the worst scene. Like that, this guy who was physically tortured and separated from his wife for thirty years right. is like, oh, they acknowledged me and my heroics in a museum. Gee, thanks. You know, and he was like, he was really like, that's like what it was about. he was really insistent earlier that he maintain his anonymity so that they don't come yeah. after him. Uh, but yeah. I guess he now that there's a black Captain America, you don't have to worry about the dangers of racism anymore. It's only about acknowledging the past traumas of it. So shrug question. I think there's there's certainly a lot to talk about with that show and the fact that we yeah. we we haven't even touched on any of the plot elements of it, confusing <laughs> or continuity bending or whatever. Yeah. But we've simply talked about the thematics of it. This the the mm-hmm. the uh, the subtext is a sign that I think people are going to be talking about this for, for a little bit. Um, yeah. Um, if you'd like us to to talk more about this, maybe do a mini on it uh, in the coming weeks, let us know. Give us a tweet at Talking Tropes. Um, in the meantime, we'll see you next week with a Stanley Tucci update. And uh, <laughs> we'll got more tropes coming for you. Absolutely. Bye. What do you think? Oh, right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs>